sort of deal. Like they they had it in place. They really did have it in place. They were gonna get Miles Turner. But the reason why it didn't go through was because Danny Ainge is like, instead of Doug McDermott, give us Victor Oladipo. And I'm like, Hello and welcome to the Monday, November 23rd edition of the TV on Basketball Podcast with your host, TV. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day because I know I am. I know a lot of NBA fans have been waiting for um, this offseason to come. And man, has it not disappointed. Yeah. Um, There's been a lot of moves that happened. I haven't even got to cover the NBA draft and all that. And free agency, the first three days have happened, and there are a lot of things to talk about. I don't know how I'm going to fit it all into this podcast, but I've done it in a way um, through the winners and losers format, so I could try and get as much in as I can. But you know me, I'm a really optimistic guy, so there's going to be a lot more winners than losers. But at the end of the day, I cannot wait to talk about some NBA basketball, all these transactions that have happened, and the fact that the NBA season is legit starting... On, November, on December 22nd, which is less than a month away. So if you guys are um, excited for the NBA season, if you're excited for this episode, remember to drop a like if you're on YouTube, subscribe if you're new, and I cannot wait to just talk about some NBA free agency, as well as the draft through this format. But I have to do my plug-in before we get into this episode. Remember to follow at TV on Basketball on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for updates on the podcast and for other content. If you were listening to this on Podbean, remember to um, drop a follow and um, like and download the video if possible. If you're on Apple Podcasts, remember to leave a five-star review and, you know, just subscribe to the podcast so you do not miss an episode. And also remember, we're on Anchor and Spotify as well, so please check. Um, so oh, the podcast is basically in all the places that you need it to be. But yeah, um, with that out the way... Um, very jam-packed week as well. I'm going to have a, another guest coming on this Friday um, to the pod. And yeah, this Wednesday we're also going to be having another React video. So that's going to be very interesting. So yeah, I got through all that. Let us get right into this episode. Like I said, I'm going to be doing a winners and losers type format. Who I th- think kind of like um, made some good moves, really improved their team, and moves that are kind of questionable for like others. I mean... That's, that's the whole point of the winners and losers format. Let's get right into it. As we talk about the first winner of free agency, of course I have to talk about my Toronto Raptors. Some people may see it as an L, some people may see it as a W. I'm kind of neutral on it, but at the end of the day, I'm giving our offseason a W. Mostly the fact that we resent Fred Van Vliet, four years, $85 million, with a player option in the fourth year. I think that was a really good um, signing for the Raptors. Um, I talked about in like podcasts with Joe over the last few weeks. If you, um, especially the one on Friday, I would urge you to check those out. I said that the Raptors really need to bring back Fred Van Vliet. Um, he knows the system very well, and I just felt like he's just one of those players where, one, I think he wouldn't do as great outside of Toronto, but I think the Raptors it would be more of an L on the Raptors' part to lose him than for another team to gain him. So bring him on that contract, not reaching the hundred a million dollar mark, which is absolutely fantastic. And I'm just really happy that we have him back on the team. But the Raptors weren't done there um, because of the um, losses of Serge Ibaka and Marcus All, which I will get into later from the Lakers' perspective of things. On I mean, for the Raptors side of things, it's kind of rough. I mean, those two guys were um, leading the front court as backup and starter on our championship team and those and they and I'm sad as a fan to see them leave at this point. But at the end of the day, um it was their decision. They were unrestricted free agents. They had to do what they had to do. But the Raptors made some um, reinforcements in the front court. They signed Aaron Baines to a two year just over fourteen million dollar deal and they also brought back Chris Boucher on a very similar deal. Are they Sergi Bach and Marcusel? No they are not. But at the same time I think the Raptors did a good job um kind of patching up the holes in that front court. Yes, they are still a very guard-heavy team with the amount of guards that they have. I mean, they still have Fred, Kyle, TD, Matt Thomas, and they drafted two guards um, in the NBA draft in Malachi Flynn. And um, that guy in the second round, I apologize if I forget his name. But I just think um, the Raptors still need to have some like front court additions, and I think getting Aaron Baines was a decent pickup. But yeah, I mean... What also like a big thing that has to do with this is that uh, Fred Van Vliet 
this contract is very nice in the sense where, in this, I think in the second year of his contract, he kind it kind of goes down the way that they structured it, so the Raptors do have some more flexibility in terms of next um, off season, which is great. And in the, these two-year deals, I think including a team option with um, Chris Boucher and Aaron Baines, I think it's a really good deal for them. And I think that the Raptors like have set themselves up nicely for next year. And although they might not be like as good as they were the year before, they will still be competing. Yeah, I think it's a good move for the Raptors. But like I said, they're, they also took some L's when losing some of these players. And one of those players was Serge Ibaka. Um... And he was the one to sign with the Los Angeles Clippers. I actually had the Clippers as losers of this um, NBA offseason before they tr- um, traded for, before they signed Sergi Barker because they made some questionable moves coming into here. Um, trading Landry Shamit for Luke Kennard, maybe a minimal upgrade, but still was it really like worth like a, tra- a trade worth worth making? The fact that they lost Montrezl Harrell to the Lakers was a L on their part, and as well as giving. That huge contract to Mar- Marcus Morris, four years, sixty-four million dollars. I just thought that they had like um, other places, like they wanted to like to like spread out their money elsewhere, and they signed um, Morris to that big extension, which is really kind of confusing to me. And I thought like the Lakers, uh, that the Clippers would come out as losers in that sense. But that Sergi Ibaka trade really does help him in the front court, in my opinion, an upgrade for their team over Montrezl Harrell. I'm not saying maybe Montrezl is arguably still the better player, but Serge just works better for that team, and I think that is a very good pickup, especially having that camaraderie with um, Kawhi Leonard. I think that really did salvage their offseason. Even though they made some questionable moves beforehand, I still think that they um, kind of did well by getting Serge Ibaka. I'm going to have to kind of, um, not speed up, but I also like, want to like get through this. Nicely because um, there's a lot of things to talk about. But let's get to another winner here. And we're going to be talking about the 2017 draft class. Because some of those guys got massive, massive extensions. We're going to go with the two um, obvious ones that we believe that we're going to get. We're going to get um, extensions, max extensions at that. Jason Tatum resends for five years, $195 million with the Boston Celtics. No-brainer. This guy was an absolute baller for them last year. First-time All-Star. I believe first-time All-NBA as well. Especially, like, past um, past February, this guy just looked like an like a world-beater. This guy was absolutely fantastic this year, averaging 23 points and 7 rebounds. This guy was absolutely fantastic, and there's no reason not to bring him back on that extension. Donovan Mitchell as well for the Utah Jazz. Also got a massive extension, same as Jason Tatum, 5 years. 175 mil it's a 195 million dollars this guy made an impact ever since he got drafted by utah um 22 and a half points per game basically throughout his career having um career high numbers this year absolute no-brainer this guy's an absolute stud played absolutely fantastic in the playoffs as well i believe averaging over 35 points a game which sounds absolutely ridiculous but he did that and like i said one of those players who was bound to get this extension and is absolutely worth it. But I want to go a bit deeper into like the next guy who I'm talking about, and that's going to be De'Aaron Fox, because he also got a max deal, um, five years, $163 million, with the with incentives that could uh, make it go up to $195 million. But a lot of people were saying, hmm, is this guy really worth the contract? I mean, he has not made an an all-star team he hadn't even make all rookie the team but this year you know career high best numbers yes he kind of like missed out a lot due to injury but 21 points a game this year six and a six and a half assists basically and i think this um although people may say it's a bit of an overpay i could definitely see where they're coming from in that but the kings needed to do this the kings absolutely needed to do this um he's really the only like um, big bright spot for that team seen as like a all-star all-nba potential type player and he has given you like no reason to like believe like any less of that to be completely honest and i think the like what i like to relate the situation to is when the suns had to resend devin booker a couple years ago we all knew he was good but he did not have all nbas he did not have um all-star games but the suns knew that he was the biggest part of their future and they had to move forward with that and this is the same thing with the Aaron fox I'm not saying that he's better than Devin Booker or on the level of Devin Booker, 
but he has the potential to be that all NBA point guard. And this, the Kings really just needed to get this deal done to make sure that he was locked up. Whether the Kings are going to make a good team around him is yet to be seen. Um, this eerily feels like the DeMarcus Cousins situations where it feels like at the end of this that De'Aaron Fox would just want to leave. But if the Kings can like make something work, I think De'Aaron Fox w- is going to be a huge part as to why um, this team does well in the future. So it was definitely a move that they had to make. So yeah, the 2017 draft class really did get paid this offseason. Let's talk about another loser. Um, I'm going to like kind of go on a run of winners at the um, after this pick. But I have to talk about the Charlotte Hornets. Just because they've made um, massive moves um, this offseason. Obviously, they drafted Lamelo Ball with the third overall pick in the NBA draft. Once Anthony Edwards is off the board and James Wiseman was, it was a no-brainer to bring in Lamelo Ball. Kind of, I know Kemba Walker is there, but he's definitely um, someone who has like that oozing of star potential. Um, although Kemba was there, like I said, he just didn't have that it factor about him in terms of like stardom. They have that on Melo Ball, and maybe that could finally make it interesting for this um, Hornets team. And I thought they were going in a good direction. Yes, were they going to be bad? Were they going to be bad this year? Probably, but at least they have. Lamelo Ball um, getting used to the system and getting his shots up and seeing what they actually have in him. But after drafting Lamelo Ball, they had to take an L sooner rather than later because they, firstly, Gordon Hayward rejected his um, declined his thirty-four million dollar extension um, player option with the Celtics, which is was absolutely mind-boggling to me. But apparently, he knew what he was doing because the Hornets signed him to a four-year, one hundred twenty million dollar deal. Four years, $120 million for a 30-year-old Gordon Hayward in 2020. That was absolutely ridiculous to me. I really thought the Hornets were going in the right direction. But they had to really make this move. Did they really? What is Gordon Hayward going to add to that team? They're going to make them a fringe playoff team. A fringe. Like, we don't even know if they're going to make it or not. Probably not still. Like, in the East at the moment. Like, it's just like, I just don't think, like, that's the type of move that they should be making. Um... In regards to like what their roster has right now and the way they just kind of like tied things together, like thirty million a year for Gordon Hayward just seems like a lot, man. I just don't think like it's just like way too overpaid. If I if he got like a Van Vliet type contract, maybe a bit more, I would still be kind of iffy. But at least I'm like, it's okay. But thirty million a year for Gordon Hayward just seems absolutely bonkers to in my opinion. And I'm not saying that he's gonna be Nick Batum, but they just came off the Nick Batum contract where they gave him that five-year crazy money deal back in, I believe, the 2016 offseason. And now they're just doing this with Gordon Hayward. I just think it's just not the right move for the Hornets, especially because they're they're starting to trend in the right direction. But they bring in Gordon Hayward. I guess it improves them at the moment, but was it worth a $30 million uh, per year price tag? Definitely not. Definitely not. But... So I'm excited to see him back basically as the number one or two option again. Maybe he, I know he wanted a bigger role in the offense, and he's definitely going to get that with the Hornets. So that was an interesting move as well. Let's let's stay positive here. Let's talk about some more of the winners. One of them being the Oklahoma City Thunder. They have a war chest of draft picks now, and I was talking last time that the, the Oklahoma City Thunder had like 17 first round picks over the next six years. They added more. Yes, somehow, some way, they added more. They traded away Kelly Oubre to the Golden State Warriors to get their first round pick, I believe, in 2021 or 2022. They traded away Steven Adams, and now they got a first round pick from the Bucks. And that whole four team trade is just a mess. I, I don't want to go into the details. That was just too, too crazy. Um, and I believe they made another move. Yes, they traded Ricky Rubio on draft night to the um, Timberwolves in exchange for another pick. And honestly, at this point, they have over 20 first-round draft picks in the next six years, which sounds absolutely bonkers, but here we are with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Literally, their only player left from last year's team is Shea. Shea Killers Alexander and Lou Dort are the only two players that are there from last season's team. And it's crazy like how like things like have shaped up. Um, and... Yeah, they just like uh, they have a war chest of draft picks, and they really are setting themselves up for the future. 
and knowing Sam Presti, knowing that they have he has all these picks at his disposal, I'm expecting in maybe not this year, but I think the next year after that, or at least over the next two years, he's going to make some big moves because they have more draft picks than um, roster spaces, so there's nowhere they're going to use all those draft picks. This is going to be a very interesting next few years for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Just start to tank now. Try to get as many draft picks as you um, possibly can. And then when the time is right, once you have that nice young core settled, use those picks, um, get some big-time players. And I think that the um, Thunder could be a scary team if they make the right moves over the next three years. Because a lot of their potential players are in grade school and high school right now, which is absolutely crazy. But they um, were able to just garner assets and assets um, in, um, throughout this offseason. And they're honestly just doing the right thing. It's, it's sad to see like, people like Steven Adams have to go and stuff. But, they, but the, um, the Thunder are definitely making mo- um, good moves towards that. Speaking of Steven Adams, the team that received him in that four-team trade was the New Orleans Pelicans. And they were able to get him um, because in that trade they, they gave Oklahoma City Thunder one of the first-round picks that the Bucks gave them as part of the Drew Holiday trade. So, you know, it's really confusing and, and all that, but the Pelicans garnered Steven Adams. But that wasn't the only moves that they made this offseason. They brought in Steven Adams. Um at the center position to like help maybe like with Zion especially to kind of like train him on the defensive end but they also made some other moves as well obviously bringing in um Eric Bledsoe um from the um, Milwaukee Bucks was good and I considered that kind of a win for them I don't know where he's gonna fit it's a very weird fit but I think that he could still do some good things for them and I see them as kind of a winner here as well in free agency just because they got some players that can help them go towards like the win now scenario but they also gained four, um, two unprotected first-round picks and two pick swaps. So they are setting themselves up nicely for the future, for assets, and just for like just um, future players for their team. I think that they did a good job there, and they like had they brought in some veterans and just to help out the young guys as well. And I think the only thing that they're missing out right now is what's happening with Brandon Ingram. I mean, we thought that he, we knew he was going to be a free agent. Um, and restricted free agent going into this. They didn't re him to that contract last year. What's the hold up? I think that this could get... I don't know how Brandon Ingram feels about this, but I thought like um, the Pelicans would have had a deal by now. So he's still technically a free agent. I'm surprised no one has given him an offer sheet as well, which is really interesting. But um, yeah, I'm very interested to see like, what's going on with the Brandon Ingram situation because I really did think they were going to get a... Um, deal done by now but assuming that he's back on the team next year I think that this team could um, vie for a playoff spot and it's just really going to be interesting in that west because there's just so many good teams man there's so many good teams and only eight teams can make the playoffs so technically 10 but I'm not counting those freaking play-in guys but it's going to be a really interesting season and I'm excited to see what's going to happen especially in that loaded western conference I'm going to go back to another L um, before we get into some more W's. The Boston Celtics, man. <laughs> the Boston Celtics. I thought this offseason they were going to make some big moves to improve that center position. Um, They're going to use the multitude of, of draft picks that they had to like actually like use those as assets to bring in some players. They did make some moves. I mean, they did bring in Tristan Thompson, who I think is a good pickup for them. Two years, $19 million. He kind of gives you a lot that Tice gives. I think a bit better on the defensive end, especially with the switchability. But that's not the center upgrade I was looking for for them. They also brought they also let go of Brad Wanamaker and brought in Jeff Teague on a minimum deal. I didn't think that was really worth it. I mean, Brad Wanamaker I thought was a good player for them last year. I'm honestly glad that I don't have to face him again in our division because he was really annoying against us. But the Celtics really could have done a lot better here. Apparently, with the Miles Turner deal, like they... They had it in place. They really did have it in place. They were going to get Miles Turner. But the reason why it didn't go through was because Danny Ainge is like, instead of Doug McDermott, give us Victor Oladipo. And I'm like, really? Really? That is a bit ambitious, don't you think? And the Pacers, and rightfully so, are saying, no, we're not giving you Victor Oladipo. And 
just looking back at that, I'm like, it's, especially because like, um, this would have um, included a sign and trade deal for um, Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward would be going to the Pacers, and in return to the Celtics would be getting Turner, um, Oladipo, and I think they would have to trade some other pieces away, but... Danny um, Ainge's ambition got to the best of him, and now they have to settle for Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague as like their um, free agent signings. They also they also just drafted Aaron Neesmith with the fourteenth pick, and I believe they did like other tra- um, draft picks as well. They just really just settled, and I think that the Celtics really could have like made some big moves here, but Danny Ainge's kind of um, over. Um, over aggressiveness really did like hurt them and now they yes they still have a good team yes they do still have a championship contender but it could have ended a lot better for them and i think that the Celtics kind of like really just played their cards wrong and they could have really improved their team but they just really missed out on a chance to and i really consider that an l because they really could have found a move that could put them over the top and maybe make them the best team in the east arguably but they really just stayed still, and I and like I said, I do like the Tristan Thompson deal, but he's still not that like rim protector that I think that they are they are um, desperately needing. That's why I thought Miles Turner would have been perfect for them, but I just think they could have done more. I just really think that they could have done more, and they just weren't able to do so. Let's go back to the positive side because I still have some W's to give out. One of them being the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, they. Yes, they messed up on the Bogdanovich trade, and he just signed an offer sheet with the Atlanta Hawks just recently. But I think they still made some moves. Um, I talked about the Drew Holiday trade last week um, as they like, got Drew Holiday. But they also brought in some nice role players. Bryn Forbes on a um, on a two-year deal. Torrey Craig on a one-year deal. DJ Augustin on a three-year $21 million deal. And they also brought in Bobby Portis. And and a lot of these guys obviously are going to play um, have their bench roles. And they also re-signed Pat Connaughton, by the way, on a two-year, I believe, like $14 million deal or something like that. And I think the Milwaukee Bucks really did just solidify their bench now. Um, and they look like, honestly, the best team in the, the East. And with that, um, Don, uh, with the um, um, Bogdanovich trade not um, going through, they still have Dante DiVincenzo, DJ Wilson, and all that. And I think that this team, honestly, at this moment, looks like the best team in the East. But this, there's no excuses now, Bucks. You have the team now. You got Drew, um, Drew Holiday to pair up with Middleton and Giannis. We need to receive results. We need to. Um, you uh, mortgage your entire future to to get this team here. And now you, it's all about getting the results. And it looks like that they're going to be able to do so. But it's going to be really interesting to see how um, this all plays out this season because we had the same expectations for them last year, but were they able to fulfill them this year? We're going to have to wait and see. Some other offseason moves that happened. If you're a shooting specialist, you're the ones getting W's here as well because some, um, because um, these shooting specialists, man, these three-point specialists are gotten big deals. Joe Harris signs with the Brooklyn Nets on a four-year $75 million deal. Yes, Joe Harris almost making $20 million a year, which is absolutely crazy to me. And Davis Bertans, the Latvian laser, re-signs with the um, Washington Wizards five years, $80 million. At first, it seemed, at first glance, like, and the same thing with me, it was like, man, these are massive contracts for guys who really are specialists on one end of the court, and they really just do one thing. Joe Harris is one of the best three-point shooters in the league, as is um, Davies Bertans. But I think what this, what these moves really do signify is that the NBA is going in a different is uh, the NBA direction. Uh, that shooting is the way to go. That shooting is the most important skill that you can have on a player. Is showing here because if you are a specialist, if you're elite in that aspect of your game, you are getting paid, as seen with Davies Bertans and Joe Harris. So if you guys are trying to like train your kids to become basketball players, make sure that they know how to shoot. Because like as seen here, you guys can make big, big money because of this. Because yes, Joe Harris, one of the best shooters in the league. Yes, Davies Bertans, same thing. 
But if you told, like, even, like, five years ago that these type of players, like, just these specialists are going to be here um, getting, like, near $20 million deals, I wouldn't believe you. But this is just the new direction of the NBA. And I wouldn't say new just because, like, this has been happening for the last few years. But now people are starting to value them a lot. And these are, like, these trades, yes, they were needed. I mean, obviously, the Brooklyn one's kind of iffy just because they have Katie Kyrie on a con- on on contract as well, but they needed to bring back Joe Harris to get that catch-and-shoot player. Same thing with Davies Bertans. I mean, the, the Wizards app desperately needed him, especially if they're trying to make a playoff push. But man, if I have a kid and he wants to play basketball, I'm telling him to work on his gym shot because having that skill to score 30, 40 feet away from the basket is extremely valuable in the modern NBA. We're also going to talk about a team that also made some big moves this offseason. And that is going to be the Atlanta Hawks. I see them as winners of this um, of this um, trade deadline as well. And not this trade deadline, this offseason. Because, yes, they've drafted over the last few years um, some good players. Trey Young, John Collins. Last year they drafted DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish. But now they want to make that playoff push. And this offseason, they made some acquisitions. That is um, here for win now. And they just want to have the taste of the playoffs. They acquired Tony Snell from Detroit in a trade. They signed Rondo to a two-year $15 million deal. Gallinari to a three-year $61 million deal. Chris Dunn, two years, $10 million. And they may not be done because they signed Bogdan Bogdanovich, like I said earlier, to an offer sheet worth four years and $72 million. They made some massive, massive moves here to um, help fill out the rest of their roster. And... This is like a good thing because now they have the young core, obviously, with the four guys that I mentioned earlier. And they're looking to make the playoffs. These guys are too good. Trey Young is too good of a player um, paired up with John Collins to like be missing the playoffs year and year in, year out. So these moves, bringing these veterans, Gallinari, um, Rondo, Chris Dunn. Obviously, draft, drafting Onyekon Kongwu, who I, um, I didn't mention earlier, but he also got drafted by them. They're filling up those defensive holes that they have been missing, and they now they have kind of like a comparable bench now. And I think that this team, if they don't make the playoffs, that'd be an absolute disappointment because they brought in all these guys um, to their team to kind of um, make those chances higher. And if they don't make it, that's gonna be very disappointing. But I think that these moves are really good, and I think that the Hawks do have a really good chance of like um, if all things go right as well. Um, fight for that like home courts um, place as well in the Eastern Conference. So they made some really good moves there. Um, one more thing before we have to, before we move on, Neil Gallinari said he was going to sign with a contender <laughs> um, earlier in the offseason saying, Oh, I've made a lot of money in my career. I think it's time for me to try and fight for a championship. Nope. This guy literally just signed a three year over $20 million a year type deal. And the Hawks look like they're honestly in a really good position next year. But these pieces must work together. Let's go back to the outside of things. And we have to talk about the Detroit Pistons. Because this offseason, they have made some big moves. And and if you know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about big in another sense. How? Why are they getting so many centers? <laughs> I honestly don't know what the heck is going on there. They signed Mason Plumlee to a, to a three-year, $25 million deal. They brought in Julio Okafor. They traded for Tony Bradley earlier. And they're just... <laughs> I don't know why they have so many centers on the roster. And they also brought in Josh Jackson and, and Jeremy Grant as well, who I think are actually pretty good pickups. I think the biggest thing, like, why I, I gave them, like, as one of the losers of this offseason is more to the fact that you're signing all these centers... What and Christian Wood going to the Houston Rockets for forty-one million dollar deal? I think that's a really good pickup for the Rockets. Why didn't you just offer Christian Wood more money? I like after the Andre Drummond trade, he was averaging over twenty and ten on over forty percent from the three-point line. He was a valuable piece for that team, and they just let him walk. <laughs> they just let him walk, and I just don't understand. Like w- when you're a team struggling like this, you just need to have those type of players. Um, on your roster, even not even just as like um, players that you may want to keep, but they have trade value, 
and they really did miss out with that with Christian Wood, like just letting him walk. And they just didn't like honestly. Yes, they made a good um, draft um, draft choice with getting Killian Hayes at the number seven pick, but it's just they just could have they really could have just gotten um, really handled this differently like this off season, but. Um, they just, I just, honestly, the biggest thing is just them letting go of Christian Wood. He's a really good player from like what I've seen, especially in the second half of the season. And they literally just let him walk for nothing. They really, they could have done better there. And now they have a bunch of centers who's not going to really, um, move the needle for them. Cause they're going to be bad. Really bad. Speaking of Jeremy Grant, because he said, did sign that three year, $60 million deal with this team. Another loser from this has to be the Denver Nuggets, man. It just has to be the Denver Nuggets. Um, they more to the fact because they lost Jeremy Grant. I think that was a major loss for them. Yes, they um brought in Jamichael Green on a good deal, two years, fifteen million, and they also brought back Millsap on a one year, ten million dollar deal. But losing Jeremy Grant, losing Tory Craig, I think it's going to be pretty um, rough for their team. Yeah, yes, they also brought in R.J. Hampton as well. But I really do think that um that Jeremy Grant loss will be big, especially on the defensive end. And I think that's just like an unfortunate move that um, the Rock, the Nuggets were willing to pay that apparently, but Jeremy Grant wants to have more of an offensive, a high, more of an offensive role on the team. The, obviously, the Nuggets can give that to him because of the because they have Murray and Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. But like, it still doesn't like that. Still means it doesn't mean that it, it, it doesn't hurt. So. Yeah, they lost on Jeremy Grant, I think, which is going to be a pretty big deal for that team. Let's go to some more winners here. Um, we're going to talk about um, probably like a few more winners. One of them being the um, Phoenix Suns, who we don't have to go too much into this, but obviously the Chris Paul deal really did improve their team, um, trading away Kelly Oubre, Rubio, in the first round pick. But they also brought in Etwan Moore, who was going to be a pretty good backup point guard for them on a um, veteran's minimum. They also signed Jay Crowder to a three-year, $30 million deal. Maybe a bit overpaid, but they also, but they really did solidify um, that backup small forward position um, to replace Kelly Oubre, which is really nice. They also brought back a really good player for them last year, Javon Carter, defensive specialist, um, defensive guard, which will be a pretty good, which is really good for them. And I just think these moves have just taken them to the next level. I mean, Devin Booker hasn't tasted like playoff success yet. He, his best run was literally that bubble and they're really trying to build off that so these trades honestly make them for me a, an automatic playoff contender and I think that the Phoenix Suns do have a honestly a bright future ahead of them and this really does change the culture because you have Jay Crowder who just came off um, an Eastern Conference championship bringing Chris Paul who's made to the playoffs every year for as, as long as I can remember and they just, I just think they just like are trying to build a winning culture there, which is definitely something that they needed to do. The only if you move I have here was drafting Jalen Smith with the 10th overall pick. I really did think that Tyrese Halle Burton should have went here, especially learning under Chris Paul would have been absolutely fantastic. But they didn't make that trade. Obviously, I mean, a backup power forward center role, um, backup power forward center was um, a need for them. But I think getting like a future point guard in Tyrese Halliburton could have been a much better selection for them, to be completely honest. I really did think that the Suns should have gotten him, especially because he was slipping in the draft. But other than that, I think that they really did make some good moves this offseason. And it's going to be exciting to see how this team is going to play out for the next year. We have to go back to the L's. Um, this one's going to be really short. Um, the Chicago Bulls. Um, really, my only thing here is, why did they draft... Patrick Williams at number four. I he did not. I don't think he started in college and stuff like that. And he's a really raw prospect. I talked about in the last um, episode. Like I thought he was going to go seventh to the Detroit Pistons, just because I think like they would want someone um, who would um, be a really good wing player for them, just like a little project. But the Bulls here, especially with like the players still on the board, like Denny Avija. Um, I thought really thought Tyrese Halliburton was, could go there, maybe even Obi Topin, but they decided to go Patrick Williams. Maybe they they see something in him that I don't. I mean, that's probably fair. I do not watch a lot of college hoops, but from just a little things, I just thought they really could have handled that draft better. And they haven't really made moves so far this offseason to really improve their roster. 
Let's go back to another. Let's go. Let's let's continue on the L's. I'm gonna give an L to just um, Trevor Ariza the last few days. This guy has been traded three times. First, he was on the um, Portland Trailblazers, and he got traded to the Houston Rockets. And then after on draft night, he got traded from the Houston Rockets to the Detroit Pistons. And then from the Detroit Pistons, he got traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder. That, that That's just absolutely hilarious to me that Trevor Ariza just got traded three times in the span of a week. And I probably just happened in the like in recent history, but I just can't remember it. I think that this is just absolutely hilarious. I don't even know if Trevor Ariza is going to even end up playing for the Oklahoma City Thunder. But... I just think that like oh, these last few days has just been like really funny how he just kept getting traded and traded and traded. So it's kind of an L for him, but it was also pretty funny to just like watch it happen. I have some other L's I have to give out here. One of them being the was being Dwight Howard, <laughs> and Dwight Howard. I have to really talk about this quickly. Um, it was reported earlier, I believe it was by Sham, I know it's by Woj or Shams, that he did resign with the Lakers on a one-year deal, and Dwight Howard, like, tweeted, like, five minutes after that report, saying, oh, Laker Nation, like, I bleed purple and gold, stuff like that, um, can't wait to come back, and then Shams came out to report saying, no, 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 he's still looking over his options, looking over, he's definitely still looking over his options, and then Dwight Howard <laughs> deleted the tweet, he deleted the tweet, and... He just ended up signing with the 76ers. Um, Laker fans are not liking him right now for the second time in a row. Just because he he, he really needs to communicate better with his agent here. Because that, that was a whole mess. And although that was really funny, I just think that he really just could have handled that situation a lot better. Um, just because, like, there's so much miscommunication there. And I just thought he just... He, he kind of looked like a clown, like Dwight Howard usually does. But... Uh, but for the 76ers, I mean, that is a really good pickup for that team. Speaking of the 76ers, they made some good moves this offseason. And I think that um, I would have to give them a W so far with the moves that they made. Because they got some rid of some pretty bad contracts. And they gained some players who actually <laughs> can shoot. And I think that was like that was the one thing I was hoping that they would do this offseason. And they are definitely making it um, work. They traded... Al Horford and I believe like one of their future picks to the Thunder for Danny Green. One that gets rid of the big Al Horford contract, which is a huge W for them. And now they bring in Danny Green, who yes, he could he has been memed over the last few months or so, but this guy could still play really good defense. Um, he could still hit the three occasion um, at a good rate. I know people want to like look at his final performance and see him like just bricking shot after shot. But I still think that um, he can like provide something good to that team. Um, besides acquiring Danny Green, they also drafted Tyrese Maxey, who I think would be a really good backup point guard for, point guard for them, which is really nice. And they also brought in Seth Curry, which is a really big deal as well, because he, I believe, one of the most efficient shooters last year in the NBA. They traded um, the 36th overall pick and Josh Richardson to acquire him. But they are just making moves to make them a more competable NBA team. And that is a huge W for the 76ers. Bring in Daryl Morey and he just knows how to build rosters. And he knows that this team is lacking a bunch of shooting. And he has made moves to compensate for that. Which is really good. So yeah, the, um, a W for the 76ers so far in this free agency um, period. Let's go back to the L's because I still I didn't even realize this. But I have I'm giving out a lot more L's than I thought I was going to. Another L has to go to Bradley Beal, not because of like his play in general, but how come John Wall has a big problem with this dude? I mean, John Wall requested a trade, um, has requested a trade from the Washington Wizards, just because he thinks that he should be the number one option and stuff like that, and that really does confuse me. I mean, just a, what's funny is I was watching, I believe, a House of Highlights interview with um, King of the Fourth Quarter, Kenny Beecham, interviewing John Wall, and he said that he is very excited to play with Bradley Beal and that they are here to help each other out. And then a, probably a lot of change hurdles the last two weeks because he is requesting a trade. And I just don't think, like, he just, like, Bradley Beal just cannot catch a break in Washington. Even when things are starting to, like, okay, maybe this could be the year. Especially this year, you're like, okay, the Wizards are definitely going to be back in playoff contention. With John Wall back, with Davis Bertans, with Bradley Beal. Um, they also brought in Denny Avija 
and um, what's it called? Um, they still have um, Rui Hachimura. I thought that was going to be a really good, maybe a, a good Eastern Conference team. And now John Wall gets to get traded. Like they honestly just can't catch a break. Poor Bradley Beal in terms of this whole situation, man. And I think that this this could end up like pretty messy for the Wizards and stuff like that. So I just wish like you know Bradley Beal had like a better situation going on over there. And speaking of the John Wall trade, he apparently the trade is like that was like in rumors was him being traded for Russell Westbrook. And I just think that that's an absolutely useless trade for both ends. I don't want to go further to it, but if you could infer, I mean, both te- both guys are aging athletic point guards who are in massive contracts. That's all you need to know. If you train for each other, it's basically carbon copies of each other at this point. It's not worth it for either team. It's not. It really just isn't. Another L um, I'm giving out this offseason is to the Golden State Warriors. Just because they lost Clay Thompson and that has like decreased their championship aspirations by... Quite a bit, honestly. Um, Clay Thompson, obviously one of the best three-point shooters of all time. He tore his Achilles, which is absolutely unfortunate. Um, prayers up to him. Hopefully he gets better so we can see him back on an NBA floor next season. Um, the the Warriors tried to make up for it for getting up Kelly Oubre. There's something about him being like $84 million, um, $84 like million of him just... Um, just because of taxes and stuff like that, to bring him over to the Golden State Warriors, which sounds absolutely bonkers to me. But I just think, like, if you just look at the player Kelly Oubre added to the team, he works good. I mean, he does work good with that team, and I think he'll prove to be a very important piece for them this season. But no one's put points to Clay Thompson. No one is, and I think that, yes, they're still a good team, obviously with Steph Curry being healthy and all that. But it's unfortunate that Clay had to go down and really, like, um, take out like one of the championship contenders of the team, of like of the West. Um, I have another L I have to give out. Like I said, I think um, um, the Kings are kind of a mess of a franchise right now as well. I mean, the Bogdan Bogdanovich trade, they couldn't even like get that trade done to the Milwaukee Bucks. They still have Buddy Heald, which is really, really confusing to me just because of the whole, of of all that um, complaining and all that. Um, drama has been going on throughout the season. I don't know how he's still on the roster, but although like all those things are happening, and just because the Kings are just have been a mess of a franchise for the last sixteen years, they they made a, at least one good move here. I mean, they drafted um, Tyrese Halliburton with a twelfth overall pick. I had him going number four to the Chicago Bulls, and he dropped all the way to twelfth. And I think that that's going to be a really good piece, whether they he puts it beside Deer and Fox and to play the shooting guard position or coming off the bench. I think. Tyrese Halliburton, good two-way player, can relieve some um, um, ball handling duties for um, De'Aaron Fox and all that. And I think that the Kings, I mean, the backcourt looks sad, but I'm also like very confused as to like why these moves are being made. Um, I think the Kings could um, improve this year if they just in- increase the pace. I mean, they were 20th in pace last year compared to number one the year prior to that, and they actually almost made the playoffs. So if they can just go back to that um, fast style of play, I think that they can um, see some success. But it's definitely going to be hard now in the tough West. Let's go back to some Ws. And I think another team that um, um, deserves a shout-out is the Miami Heat because they have been taking care of their players for, for coming back um, from that championship, from that, not to him, the championship team, the Eastern Conference championship team. They signed Goran Dragic to a two-year, $37 million deal. They re-signed Myers Leonard for a two-year, $20 million deal, both with team options on um, in the second year. And they also brought in some nice players with Avery Bradley, two years, $12 million, and also Mo Harkless. The Heat look at their team and, and they're thinking, we made it to the finals this year. Maybe we just need some like um, reinforcements in the, on the bench and stuff. But I think that they could actually... Be a good team, like again, like competing for a championship once again going forward. They still have their core players with jo- with Jimmy, Duncan, Bam, Tyler Hero, and all that. But they also just made some nice reinforcements and they brought back some of their most important players from the team. Drogic, obviously, you know, two years, twenty-seven million. That that was definitely had to be made. And Mars Leonard, I mean, ten million dollars does seem a bit excessive. Is he going to get 20 to, 20 to 25 minutes per game here? Probably not, but it's still a nice piece to bring back. 
And they only lost really just Jay Crowder, which is not a bad, you know, offseason for them. So I still think that they have, um, you know, going to have a good chance at, like, winning the Eastern Conference again this year. But with all these trade, uh, with all these signings, as you see with these, um, he, do you see a pattern that's happening? Two years, 37 with Drogic. Two years, um, 20 million with Myers Leonard. Two years, 12 million with Avery Bradley. If you see the pattern there, it's a two-year deal. And all of those... Um, contracts have team options. So, Pat Rowley knows what he's doing. He He's trying to make sure that they have some sort of cap space going into um, next season to see if they can draft that star player to add to their roster. And I just think they just know what they're doing. And I think, again, with them like being able to compete again this year, they also set themselves up nicely for next year just in case that opportunity does present itself. So that's a W of an offseason for the Miami Heat. Before we get into the final two Ws, I have to give out one more L here. The Timberwolves, man. Um, I don't know really how to feel about their offseason. Yes, they drafted Anthony Edwards number one, which is, to a lot of people, a very obvious pick. I would have went with Camelo Ball, but I definitely understand the Anthony Edwards selection at number one. But really the one like kind of iffy move I th- thought that the Timberwolves made, and this is kind of like... Um, the same case with, um, it was like another team. Like, they just signed basically a backup for, um, a lot of money. And then here they did, um, Malik Beasley. Four years, $60 million deal. Yes, he played really well for, after he got traded to the Timberwolves. I believe it was over 18 points a game or something like that. He played really good for them. Um, I think that he's actually a really good player. Obviously, he had some problems with, um, um, you know, the police this year. I think it was like with, like, um, fifth degree drug possession or something like that, which is highly unfortunate. But I think he still played really good for them last year. Yeah, with the Timberwolves, twenty point seven points a game. Yeah, over twenty points a game, um, over forty percent from the field, from from three. He played really good there. But I think like him, especially like backing up Anthony Edwards, I just think that that's a lot for a backup. And he's not really tall enough to play the the small forward position either. So that's going to be really interesting to see how that goes. But either way, I think it's a, I mean, it's a good pickup, I guess, but it's also kind of a lot, like I said, for a backup. So hopefully the Timberwolves can actually make some noise. I mean, um, this year, again, it's a loaded West, so it's going to be extremely difficult, but those are their aspirations. So hopefully Anthony Edwards pays out, and hopefully um, Malik Beasley can stay out of trouble, honestly, because I think the Timberwolves could actually be a team um, on the rise if they just, you know, go with the plan, and they actually develop the, um, the way that they are hoping. Two more Ws here before we end today's podcast. We have to talk about the Portland Trailblazers and the moves they made. They didn't really change much of their starting lineup, but the surrounding players around CJ McCollum and Damian Lord, they've improved there. They brought back Ennis Cantor, um, getting him in a trade with Boston. They signed Harry Giles to a one-year deal. Derrick Jones Jr., two years, $19 million. Um, they re-signed Carmelo Anthony and Roddy Hood, which is great. And they also brought in Robert Covington, Covington through that Houston Rockets trade. One of the many Trevor Ariza trades from, from this last week. I just think that, um, I mean, obviously they were going to be a playoff team even without these moves. But they're trying to compete for a championship as best, uh, um, as much as possible. And adding all these guys, you know, with Covington, um, bringing in Cantor, Derek Jones Jr., one improves their defense, which was extremely lacking, especially it was visible in the bubble. And it's just a they just really just improved their depth because if you guys remember last year in the bubble slash bubble playoffs, they were going like seven deep, <laughs> the, the the Portland Trailblazers, and it it really just took a toll on their starting lineup, and they just looked gassed by the end of the Lakers series. This makes sure that they have a nice defensive depth, make sure that they have at least players. Um, viable NBA players to fill up that bench um, unit. And I think it's just going to be it's just a really good move for them to really just improve guys around CJ and Dame because Dame is getting older, CJ is getting older. We don't know how um, much they are going to improve. And I think this is the, probably the best team that they probably had um, with um, the Dame during the Dame era. So it's going to be very interesting to see where they place next year. And just cannot wait to see honestly this team back again because they still have Yusuf Nurkic, they still have Zach Collins, 
They still have Gary Trent, obviously, off the bench. I think this team can actually, you know, compete for um, home court advantage in these um, in this Western Conference. And the final W I want to talk about is the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, the defending NBA champions made some big moves to really um, help their chances of winning with back-to-back. They signed Marcus All to a two-year deal. They brought back KCP on a three-year, $40 million deal. And they also brought back the the, the two finalists for the Sixth Man of the Year award. Watchers Harold, two-year, $19 million deal. And they obviously traded for Dennis Schroeder last week. Obviously, they lost Rondo. They had to trade away McGee to um, make room for Marcus All. But at the end of the day, they made moves to really um, bolster up their bench with scoring, obviously, with Montrezl Harrell and um, Dennis Schroeder. And they brought Marcus All to be that defensive anchor. No, he is not the player that he once was back in Memphis or even his first season with Toronto. I mean, last year was kind of rough for Big Mark. But he's still a very um, good defensive player. And I think like, that experience is just going to be so key for them going forward into this year. And I think that that was just a really good pickup. Obviously, it's a, it sucks being a Raptor fan losing Big Spain, but um, it was a, it's a really good pickup for the Los Angeles Lakers. The only thing missing is Anthony Davis still hasn't re-signed his contract. He's an unrestricted free agent, but he still hasn't re-signed that contract. And although all signs are pointing to him re-signing that contract... Um, I don't know, it's just interesting that he hasn't done it. I mean, I'm obviously, I'm pretty, I'm 99% sure he's resigning with the Lakers, but um, apparently he's trying to take things slow, um, and like he's not in a rush to do so. So, um, yeah, they're just waiting on Anthony Davis, but by the looks of things, I mean, yes, the Bucks have really improved their roster to make them look like their favorites in the East, but the Lakers, man, they've made moves, and it looks like they're probably going to be the ones coming out the West this year, so good moves by them. So yeah, that is a lot of NBA news and, and stuff. Those are kind of my winners and losers. Drop down below if you agree or disagree with these picks. And yeah, I just cannot wait for the NBA season to come out um, to um, to be here soon. I mean, it's less than two weeks away from being the NBA training camp as well. So we're just inching closer and closer to the start of the NBA season. With training camp starting soon, obviously I'm going to do my preview podcast once, it, um, once training camp starts. So be on the lookout for that. And then this week, obviously, Wednesday YouTube video, Friday collab podcast. Very excited to, um, f- for the content coming out this week. Well, yeah, I think this is where we're going to end today's episode. Thank you guys so much for watching. Remember to um, leave a subscription, like, and all the good stuff on today's episode. And if you're on all the podcast networks, remember to sh- um, show your support there. And remember to follow at TV on Basketball on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for updates on the podcast and further content. Really fun episode. Lots of information, I know, but... Um, yeah, this free has been crazy, and it just gets me more and more excited for the upcoming NBA season. But yeah, this is where we're going to end it. Thank you guys for watching. I hope you all, all have a blessed day. Take it easy, guys. Peace.